Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. What I want to talk about this morning is some great exchanges. Great exchanges. John's Gospel, chapter 3, we want to look at verse 30. First, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to study your word together. And as we do, we invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher and guide, to open our understanding, to enlighten us, that we may walk as doers of the word and not hearers only. And Father, we believe to be quickened according unto your word this morning. I thank you for anointing my lips to speak forth boldly and accurately the knowledge of the truth that will make us free and cause our faith to stand not in men's wisdom, but in the power of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the Scripture simply states, He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, I realize that when John made that statement, he was referring to his ministry decreasing and the ministry of the Lord Jesus to increase on the earth. He was the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he paved the way for his entrance and ministry into the earth, his followers were wondering as to what they should do. Should they continue to follow John or should you know, they follow Jesus? And of course, any true minister or ministry will always encourage you to keep your eyes on Jesus and on Him alone. Amen? And so basically what he was saying was, look, it's time that my ministry is going to fade away. His ministry is going to increase on the earth. You stay with Him and follow Him all the way to the end. Now, that's the literal meaning of the statement. But we like to spiritualize that this morning, if I may. Do I have your permission to do that this morning? I appreciate that. We just want to spiritualize, spiritualize some truths. And we can do that without at all taking away from the meaning of God's Word. I believe that we can also read that and state that in our lives, He must increase and we must decrease. Wouldn't you say that's also true? In other words, we must diminish. We must decrease. And the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, with all of its character and ability and power, should increase in us. So that each and every single day we look more like Him. Well, beloved, in order for that to take place and be accomplished within our lives, I believe that each and every one of us must be willing to experience change. You can't receive from God without first giving away something of yourself. Did you know that? See, there has to be an exchange in our lives. In other words, the one who says, I want more of God, I want more of God, I want more of God, I want more of His faith, more of His love, more of His power, more of His ability, but is not willing to give anything of self away, is the person who's talking about it, but never experiencing it. Because, you see, in order to get more, you've got to give of yourself. 
You've got to give away and let go of some things. You've got to exchange some things to get what you want. You've got to give of yourself in order to get back from Him. Let's start from the very beginning of our Christian experience. If you weren't willing to give Him your heart, He couldn't give you His. Isn't that true? If you weren't willing to give Him your life, then you couldn't experience having His life in you. If we're not willing to lay down our abilities and turn them over to Him, we're not going to have His ability in our lives. So there are things that we have got to exchange so that we can get from God what He has. But this is how it works. We decrease, He increases. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians and chapter 3 to give us an idea as to how the process actually works. And this is really important even for baby Christians to understand because if they are going to grow in the things of God, then this is the procedure or this is the spiritual process of growth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, it says, But we all, notice we're all there. We're all in the same boat together. We all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, this experience is a work of the Spirit of God in our lives. As we are willing to look and behold the glory of the Lord, as we see it revealed to us in the Word of God, and then let go of the things that we hold dear to our own selves and lives, then the Spirit of God will take over and make the exchange. He'll change us from glory to glory by the Spirit, of course, of God. You know, sometimes people think that, well, we've just got to give up this and we've got to give up that in order to serve God. But let me say something here right now. Whatever it is that we give up, God replaces with better and bigger and greater things. We may have to give up a selfish attitude, but you know what? He'll replace it with a better attitude. We may have to make a sacrifice and give up this or give up that, but He'll replace it with something even better that will bless you and make you a better person. As we look continuously at the Word of God and begin to see the truths unveiled right before our very eyes and then make the decision, I want to be like that. Then the Holy Ghost will say, in order for you to be like that, you've got to let go of this. And you say, I'm willing to let that go because I want to decrease and I want Him to increase in my life. You know what? The Holy Ghost will quicken you according unto the Word and change you to be more like Him. And that's what this verse is talking about. Every single one of us can be changed, but it's from glory to glory. We couldn't handle it all at once. It comes a little bit at a time. And you see, the reason is because of this. In ourselves, we couldn't handle it. Because if we're honest with ourselves, for the most part, we're not ready to let go of everything. If we're honest with ourselves. There are certain things we hold back from God 
And so he very lovingly and tenderly begins to point those things out to us and says, look, son, I want you to let that go and I'll give you something better. I'll give you something bigger. Something that will even bless you more. And we've got to be willing to do that. If we say no, I'm going to keep that to myself. Then we shut God out. And He won't increase in our lives. Now, another scripture with regard to this change is found in the book of Isaiah. And I'll then share with you some exchanges that we can make that I consider to be great exchanges. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, in verse 31, oh, I'm sure you can quote it, but we'll turn to it and we'll read it right there from the Word of God because you retain a whole lot more of what you read and see with your eyes. Isaiah 40 and 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew. Now that word there, renew, actually means change or exchange their strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew or exchange their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. But I want you to see this clearly. That every single one of us who intermingles with God, if we'll do our part, then we'll exchange strength with Him. In other words, if we're willing to give up some of ourselves, then He says He'll see to it that He gives of Himself back to us and increases His life within us as we decrease in our life that is basically and primarily self-centered. And so this is the great exchange that we can make in our lives. And so let's go to the book of Isaiah 55 and let's look at some things that will help God reproduce His life in us. How many of you want God to be able to get bigger in your life? We all want that, don't we? We should want that. If we don't want that, then something is wrong with our spiritual condition. Every single one of us is in this, not so that we can just go to heaven. We should be in this so that we can fulfill His plan and purpose for our lives, and every single day get to know Jesus better, get to know the Father better, and also be more like Him on a day-by-day -day basis so that we're not consumed with our own lives, but we're consumed with His life. It'll make us a better person on this earth without a doubt. In Isaiah 55, let's begin at verse 6 and look at some of the exchanges that can take place that will enable Him to reproduce His life in us and make us more like Himself. In verse 6 it says, Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and He will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And let's just stop right there. The very first exchange, let's say today, that we want to point out is the exchange from our thoughts to His thoughts. Are we willing to give up our thoughts for His thoughts? That's a pretty good question. And actually, in some areas, we may say, well, we are. But in other areas, we may not be as willing to give up our thoughts for His thoughts. You see, our thinking faculties and reasoning faculties make up a very important part of our lives. And the way we think is important. It's important to us as individuals. 
I mean, every single one of us at least wants to be able to be a sovereign being in our own sense and say, well, this is what I think about it. Because we're made that way. We're built that way. And we value our own opinion. Sometimes we can be wrong, but still it's our opinion. Right? Well, when it comes to dealing with God, how many of you know what really matters is His opinion? How many of you know what matters is the way He thinks about a situation? I mean, who would want to sit down and argue with God? And say, well, Lord, I think it's this way. And he says, but look, I am the Lord God Almighty that made heaven, earth, sea, and all that in them is. I laid the foundations of the earth and set the boundaries of the sea, and the water shall not pass over. And I think it should be like this. And then what do you've got to say for yourself? <laughs> what did you do? Well, now, Lord, I built this little house over here. <laughs> now, God is saying to us, I want you to, to exchange your thoughts for my thoughts. In other words... Your way of thinking for my way of thinking. And I told you many times, and I'll repeat it again, that when I first came into Christianity, the Pentecostal movement and all that, I came out of a, of a background that was very reserved. And the first time I walked into a Pentecostal church, I sat on my hands. They weren't going to get me to lift my hands and do the things that they were doing because I couldn't believe what they were doing. I didn't think you would do something like that publicly in church. That was my reserved background. And so I had my way of thinking. I thought that that's not how you're supposed to worship God. That's not the way you display your actions, you know, and demonstrate your, your, your feelings and emotions in a public worship service. I'm never going to be able to do it. I'll never do anything like that. That's what I thought. Well, I began to read the Word of God and I began to exchange my thoughts for God's thoughts. And I began soon to find out that God wanted me to lift my hands. That God wanted me to clap my hands. That God wanted me to shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. See, and so slowly but surely I began to do what? To give up my thoughts for His thoughts. See, and as, as I did that, I began to experience more of God in my life. Can you see how that works? But if I was not willing, if I was closed-minded, if I was just going to shut him out of my thoughts and refuse to allow his thoughts to enter in, I wouldn't experience an increase of God in my life. Now, I could have, as an individual being, possessing personal sovereignty over my own life, I could say, I refuse to even think that way. And God would not intrude. How many of you know that God would not intrude? He'll never override anything you know, that we want to do, He'll never do that. He will try to advise us. He will try to get us to come and see it His way. Come now, says the Lord, and let us reason together. Let's sit down and talk it over now, one-on-one. -on -one. And I guarantee you that if you're willing to do something like that, I think God has a way of persuading us to think like He thinks. I mean, when you start seeing lightning fall out of heaven... You know to what extent Jesus went to get men to change their thoughts of Him? I mean, you think about this scenario. Jesus is making His last effort to let the people of Israel know, the Jewish people, that He is the Messiah. He has preached to them. He's performed signs, wonders, and miracles. You know, right before their eyes, they saw people healed and blind eyes open and deaf ears unstopped. They saw all that. But still, they lived in their own thoughts. 
And they thought that this can't be right. He can't be the Messiah. And they reasoned in their own minds and came up with some reasons why they felt as though he's not the Messiah. And so one day, Jesus meets up with the whole group of them at the gravesite of Lazarus. And there, he shows himself to be the ruler even of death, hell, and the grave. He stands there before all these witnesses, right before the tomb where the stone is rolled up already, proclaims Lazarus come forth after he has them remove the stone, and Lazarus, he that was dead and stinketh or decayeth, came bound in grave clothes. They all stood there and just looked as they saw the man that they buried now alive, risen from the dead. Some of them changed their way of thinking. Would you have? I know I would have, but some didn't. Oh my goodness, can you imagine what God is working with when He deals with the mind of a, mind, the mind of a man? Can you imagine that? Think about it. They saw Lazarus come from the dead and still wouldn't change their mind. doesn't matter what he does, he's still not the Messiah. You probably talk to people about accepting Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. No matter what you say, they're closed-minded. Don't want to hear a word you have to say. Well, beloved, I want us to see the same thing as being true, even though we're saved right now. You know, you can still be closed-minded and saved about things. I've talked to people about how God will help them in their finances, how God will help them in their, their physical bodies, how God will help them in many different ways. And in some of these areas, they're just closed-minded. They just, you know, shut the door because they can't think that way because they've been taught another way. Just like I was taught not to raise your hands and not to do anything boisterous in the public service and all that, that was disrespect and all that, that way of thinking was wrong because the Bible tells us in Psalm 150, we're to come before the presence of God and worship Him and praise Him with all instruments of music, with singing and clapping and dancing and everything else you can possibly imagine. If you'll read Psalm 150, and God made us and not we ourselves, and He told us how, He instructed us as to how we should worship Him. Now that should change our way of thinking, shouldn't it? See, God wants us to know that as much as we're willing to give of our own thinking to Him is as much we're going to get from Him His thoughts in our lives. And the Holy Ghost will quicken us and change us as we make this great exchange. But first, we have got to be willing on our part to see to it that we give up our thoughts now, in Proverbs, you know the verse in 3 and 5 and 6, it's, it talks about trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own what? Understanding. Now, we reason things out in our minds, but we're told not to do that. We're told that when it comes to trusting God... Now, I'm not talking about trusting man. I'm not even talking about trusting me. I'm not talking about trusting any preacher that stands behind any pulpit. We're talking about trusting the Lord with all your heart. In other words, if God said it, and we've got to have chapter and verse 4. If God said it, then trust Him and don't lean on your own what? Understanding. I know we've been taught that way and we've thought that way, but are you willing to give up some of your thoughts so that you can possess some of God's thoughts and be more like Him? And to what degree we are willing to do that is to that degree that we'll experience more of God in our lives. We'll increase. But if we're not willing to do that, nothing's going to happen. We're not going to have change. In the book of Philippians 2 and 5, we are told, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 
who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but humbled himself and was made in the likeness of sinful man. Now, notice this. It says, let this mind be in you. Only as we let our minds give place to the thoughts in the mind of God can God then come into our lives and produce this change. And what kind of a mind was that? It was one of humility and love. It was one of great compassion for mankind. As a matter of fact, when Jesus came to this earth, He already made up His mind. He said compassion would be the controlling motive of His life and that He came to give Himself for a lost and dying humanity. And God is saying, I want you to begin to think along the same lines. No matter how we have viewed humanity and the world before, He is saying, I want you to stop looking at mankind with that kind of thinking. I want you to begin viewing as mankind in a new light and in a new way. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, you know humanity looked different to me? I mean, people before where you'd absolutely just get to the point of detesting, you know, their actions and, and, and the way they would treat you and all that. I began to see people as they truly were. You know how? Lost and on their way into an eternity without God. And all of a sudden, I began to change my way of thinking. No matter how prominent they were, no matter how sex successful they were in this life, I considered myself knowing Jesus is Savior and Lord, to be a whole lot better off than they. And so no matter how they mistreated me, no matter how they abused me or misused me or anything like that, I just, just back off and just say, you know, Father God, I pray that you touch their hearts some way, somehow, because they're lost. They're on their way to damnation, and they don't even know it. So what does it matter how successful they are in this life? They didn't bring anything into it. There's nothing they can take out of it. What's important is this, where you spend your eternity. Do you see that? And so we can immediately begin to have our way of thinking change. God wants us to think like He thinks. He wants the mind of Christ to be on the inside of us. He wants to start, us to start seeing the needs of humanity. And you know what, beloved? He'll bless you for it. You'll have a whole lot more of Him in your life if you do it. Now, let's read on. Number two. The first one is exchange your thoughts for God th God's thoughts. Now, here in Isaiah 55, once again, verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. What he is saying to us here is there must be an exchange of our ways for His ways. I have got to be willing to make this great exchange. Have you ever been around somebody that says, this is the way to do it, and that is the only way because it's my way? <laughs> Have you ever been there before? I'm sure we've all been there before, and I'm sure we're all guilty of doing the same thing ourselves. Isn't that true? Every single one of us. And basically because we're secure in our way or the way we do it. You can have some lady over here, she makes a pumpkin pie this way. The other one over there, she makes it that way. Better look out. One says my way is right, and the other one says my way is right. This one over here irons this way, this one irons that way. You don't do it that way, you do it this way. Why? That's my way. Isn't that true? Do you ever, do you ever been around that? You ever been entangled in something like that before? 
I'm sure we all have. You know, guys are the same way. You know, this is the way to do it. Now, I think we should do it this way. But this is the way I know how to do it, and it should be done like this. And the other said, no, this is the way because this is how I do it. And before you know it, you've got a warfare on your hands. Right? Now, for the likes of it, can you understand how anybody would even think about having a warfare with God as to which way is best? <laughs> Amen. The Bible says in, in the book of Psalms 37 and 5, Commit thy way unto the Lord. I mean, you can go to God and say, Now, Lord, I'd do it this way. But I think you know a little bit more than I do, so I'm willing to exchange my way for your way. You know what you do when you do it your way rather than God's way? You get this. Now, let me explain to you. I had that saw out, that, that, that power saw, and I mean, I was just... And twice while I was doing it, twice, not once, twice, it came to me on the inside, go get the jigsaw and use it. And I was like three-quarters of the way through this cut. And, I, and in my mind, I reasoned and said, well, the jigsaw's put away down in the basement. I've only got this much further to go, you know. I'll just finish it with this. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to leave here, go downstairs, get the other saw, bring it back upstairs and do all this. And some of you guys that know if you use a power saw, you know how sometimes they'll kick out on you. Well, it was such a small cut that, you know, it started to do that and, and I didn't have it set up right on the table and all this, you know the story. And, but we wanted, I want to do it, my, you know, quick as I can because I've got to get this thing and get this work done, you know. And so I want to do that. How many of you had close calls along that line? <laughs> Amen. I know some of you can attest to that same thing. But twice, you know, that came to me saying, go get the jigsaw, which would have been very easy. But I didn't do it his way. I did it my way. And as I did, the thing just popped right out of there, you know, kicked out and just went right across my thumb and got the wrong wood, took some of the bone and everything and all that. But uh, it's a classic case of us, once again, using our own thinking, doing it our own way. And you know what? Not even realizing that even an activity like redoing your house, you know, redoing a family can possibly be God involved in it. Because it's an everyday, natural, normal activity. People think that God only goes to church. Right? You don't think about God's thoughts or ways when you're outside the doors. I mean, you gave your hour at church on a Sunday morning. You know, now you're involved in everyday life. How many of you know that God wants to be involved in everyday life, in all of our lives, every single day? You know, but how can you be spiritual when you haven't shaved because you're working out in the yard and, I mean, working, in, you know, out back and doing all this stuff and, and you're all messed up and you've got some sweats on and all this? I mean, how can you, how can you touch God? You don't have a suit on. <laughs> Isn't that right? I mean, God couldn't hear you. You don't have a suit on. Now, under the Old Testament, that might have been true if you were the high priest. You better be dressed, you know. But we're clothed by the blood of Jesus. And it doesn't matter what we have on on the outside of our bodies. What I'm saying is sometimes what we do is we only think that God manifests Himself in these ways when we come to church. Now, beloved, I'm convinced that it's driving the car, off at work, at work, doing whatever you're doing around the house and all that. It's the voice of God, and we better get used to listening to it. Because when you decide to do it your way rather than His way, this is what you get. And the thing is, I guess this could be a, a, a I can use this as, a, as an exa object lesson, right? 
What a lesson to learn. Remember how many times we'd say that you don't know how many things you avert in your life by obeying God? Now, had I obeyed and had I got the jigsaw, I wouldn't get this. But I wouldn't be, you know what I'm saying? But I wouldn't know that I averted something. I just would have done something I believe was God. Then someone else could come along and say, that wasn't God. God's not in the construction business. But Jesus was a carpenter. Wasn't he? I'm going to ask him for some lessons, I think. He was a carpenter, wasn't he? Amen. But he is concerned about all of, you know, every aspect of our lives. He is. And uh, we've got to learn to listen, even at those times. All times. And do it God's way. Commit thy way also to the Lord, and he will bring it to pass. What about this classic text? Write it down. Proverbs 16, 25, that says what? There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of what? Death. In other words, man in his own mind and in his own makeup has a way that seems right. Now, for example, when it comes to salvation, man has a way that seems right to him. Right? How many good people have you talked to who said, I'm a good person? Raise your hand if you've talked to somebody who ever said that to you. Well, and the, you know, after statement is this. I'm a good person, so, therefore, I'm going to go to heaven. And that's when I just go, why didn't God think of that? I told this to some fellow in the hospital. I, I said, you know what, you must be smarter than God. And he just looked at me with that look on, you know, surprised look. He said, why? I said, well... If you could get to heaven by being good, he went through the trouble of sending his son to die a horrible and horrendous death on the cross. And all he had to do was just to communicate a message to you to be good. That's all he had to do. I guess you're smarter than God. Well, that really got him where he lived. Stopped right there and said, you know, I better think that again. He said, son, I never heard anybody say that before. I said, I know because the people that you hang around with think you can get to heaven on your good works. And you know, if you go to church in a place like that where they think you can get to heaven on your good works, you're going to start thinking that way and that's going to be your way. You know, there are churches right down the line. I don't knock any church, but there are churches in this land today that if you get baptized in water in their church, you will go to heaven in their mind because that's their way. But you know what? You can get baptized in anybody's water. If you're not born again, you're not going to see glory. Now, wait a minute. How can you say that? Well, I'm saying that because exchange your thoughts God's. You know what? Jesus is God's way. And He said, I am the way. Exchange your way for God's way. And Jesus is God's way to bless humanity. It's not going to church. It's not doing good. It's not even being a good moral person. It's alright to go to church. It's alright to be good. It's alright to be moral. But morality will not get you to heaven. You must be born again. For Jesus said... I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. There are those that will, will argue with you until their dying breath. They'll put you on TV and make a mockery of you if you hold to those convictions. And they'll use anything and everything they can to humiliate you there, letting you know just how horrible you are for maintaining that narrow-mindedness. I would just sit there and I would just say this. Jesus said, 
Straight is the way, narrow, narrow is the way, and straight is the gate. If I'm narrow-minded, it's because it's a narrow way. And Jesus and I am the way. You can interpret that how you want. Jesus is the way to the Father. No man comes to the Father but by me. So man is to give up his way. Look at, talk to Abel and find out if his way was okay. His way was not okay. God showed him his way, but Abel refused God's way for his own way. His own way was to be religious. His own way was to do good works. His own way was to work for his salvation, and he did it his way. But God said, no, that's not the way. And as a result of his unwillingness to change his way to God's way, he was cursed for the rest of his life. You want more of God in your life, and I want more of God in my life? What do we have to do? Give up our way for God's way. The children of Israel, I'll tell you what, beloved, they went through much affliction and premature death because they refused to do it God's way and always wanted to do it their way. Amen? Well, let's change. Are you willing to change? Amen. Let's look at number three. Second Corinthians chapter 4, if you would, please. And verse 18, great exchanges that will help us have an increase of God in our lives and a de decrease of self. I want to decrease and I want Him to increase should be our anthem. Someone calls you up on the phone tomorrow morning and say, what are you doing? Say, I'm decreasing. <laughs> what do you mean you're decreasing? I'm decreasing, God's increasing in my life. Right? It's a process, beloved. And to be frank about it, it hits home, doesn't it? I'm going to tell you something. When it comes to walking in love, there has to be a decrease on our part. We'll get to that in a minute. I'll give you time to get your steel-toed shoes on. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. It says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen... For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We need to give up natural vision for supernatural vision. We need to give up natural vision and exchange it for supernatural vision. Every single one of us has our own natural view of the world that we live in today. As a matter of fact, you pick up a newspaper, put on the television, you can put on CNN or any local news network and all that, and your view of the world will become chaos and destruction. This world this, that we live in is absolutely devastated. There's demonic influences everywhere. Everyone's going down the tubes. Every nation, including ours, Everywhere you look, and I mean, you get yourself an image of a world headed for destruction. I know the world's headed for change. You see, but the thing is, beloved, we can get so down on the world that people won't even want to live anymore. Matter of fact, I have had people tell me they don't want to bring a child into this world in which we live. See, the problem is they, their, their view of the world is not as what it should be. You're looking at it through natural eyes. Can you imagine what the world looked like when Jesus came into the world? Can you imagine looking at the world through the eyes of Jesus at that time? 
you think it was any better then? It wasn't. Well, what did he possess that we lack? He possessed supernatural vision. Please listen carefully, saint of God, because sometimes we lose that vision. After being a Christian for five years or ten years, you know, something like that, we can lose our vision. God wants us to see humanity as being in need. He wants us to see this world and its people as worthy of being saved because of the blood of Jesus Christ. No matter how vile people may be, no matter how horrendous or how terrible, no matter what acts of violence that people have committed, you know the bottom line is God still loves them. Even people that you come into contact with every day, maybe at work, where you might even be saying, I just can't stand being around this person. I can't tolerate working beside that person or whatever. You know God still loves that person? You know God cares about that person? God still views this world as worthy of being saved? For that purpose, the Son of God came. But you see, beloved, if we lose sight of that, then we see the world through natural vision. God wants us to stop looking at what we see. He wants us to recognize that there are needs out there in the world. We need to tell people about the love of God and about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. He doesn't want us to lose sight of that. Because although the darkness is getting darker, the light is getting brighter more and more into the perfect day. Isn't it? He wants us to see the things that are not seen so as to change the things that are seen. He knows how bad it is. Do you ever go to God and say, Now, Lord, this is a terrible place that we live in. You don't know what it's like to work where I work. You don't know what it's like to be around the people I'm around every day. No, Jesus doesn't know that. I mean, the guys that were around Him treated Him like a king. They clothed Him in purple, the finest. They plaited a crown, put it upon His head. They bowed before Him before they whipped Him and plucked out His beard. And He doesn't know what it's like to be around people that are vile and cruel. Certainly He does. But do you know on that cross he looked down and he saw his own accusers and those that beat him and whipped him and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They're so bound up and lost in darkness, it doesn't matter if I die and lose my life. I believe that one day their heart will respond to my love. Wow. Boy, can you think like that? Boy, can we give up our way of thinking for that kind of thinking? I mean, my goodness, they must have kicked you in the foot at least once or twice while you were working. You have a right to be angry with them until death. Right? Don't you? Come on, stand up for your rights and your ways. What is he saying to us? It doesn't matter how people offend us. If we get so overcome by being offended at what people do to us, we've got to get reconditioned ourselves. He said, protect your heart. Many offenses will come to you in this life. Didn't he? But he said the bottom line is forgive, if need be, 490 times a day. Didn't he? And don't lose the sight of love. 
and compassion. Because you'll never know what act of love you demonstrate that will reach their heart and turn them around for Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, sometimes we don't like to even speak these words, but he said, love your enemies. Love those who are your enemies. Bless those that curse you. See, have we lost sight of that? Have we lost that way of thinking? Bless those that curse me. Have we lost that vision? Let's continue to exchange natural vision for supernatural vision. Let's look beyond the flesh of humanity. Let's look into their soul, into their spiritual condition, and recognize they need what we have. No matter how they offend us, let your light light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your love overwhelm their darkness. Can you see that? Catch the vision that God really has. And you know, beloved, I really believe with all my heart that if we would do this, it would not be very long before others around us who God is reaching out to would open up their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because whether you recognize it or not, where you work, people are looking at you. They are analyzing you. They want to know if you are for real. They want to watch you, especially under circumstances and trials. Because when the pressure's on, they want to know. They want to know if you're for real. And if the God you serve is who He says He is. How will the world know? They've got to see Him through us. Amen? Okay, you're close by. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 gives us our next point. We need to exchange. Now remember this. If you'll exchange natural vision for supernatural vision, you'll have more of God in your life. you have more of His compassion for humanity. Now here, in verse 7, it says, For though we walk by faith, not by sight. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We need to exchange natural faith for supernatural faith. As individuals, we have faith. We have faith in our senses. We walk by faith, not by sight. The word sight should have been translated sense knowledge or sense evidences. Every single one of us is bound by sense evidences. Thomas was an example who said, unless I see it, I won't believe it. I won't believe in anything I cannot see. Feel, taste, touch, smell. Five senses. If I can't see it, hear it, if I can't, you know, smell it, I don't believe it. In other words, he is limited to his five senses. His faith, all his faith is in what his senses can reach out and touch. Well, beloved... A person who is blind has got to believe in things he can't see. Isn't that true? He's got to believe in in his other senses to tell him that there's something else. If you were to tell a blind person what a tree looks like, they'd have to take your word for it and believe it, wouldn't they? Well, you ready for this? The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. Our senses are not to dictate to our lives. Unless we are willing to exchange natural faith for supernatural faith, God will not increase in our lives. We'll not have more of the life of God. Now, as a Christian, we can still go on through our lives 
just living by sense knowledge. How many of you know that's true? But to what degree we give up sense knowledge for the faith of God, to that degree, God will increase in us. Can you see that? But we've got to be willing to do it. We've got to be willing to say, even though I can't see it, Lord, I believe it. It's the difference between Zechariah and Mary. Zechariah said, this can't be. An angel told him his wife's going to get pregnant, going to have a baby. He's the name of John the Baptist and all that. You know all that. He said, this can't be. I'm an old man. There's no way this can be. Look, she's up in her years too. You've got to be kidding me. He would not believe what could not be evidenced by the five senses. And the angel even told him, because you do not believe, you will not speak. And his mouth was shut, right, until the baby was born. Same angel, another person. Her name is Mary. Says, Mary, you are going to conceive in your womb the child who is going to be called the Son of God. Emmanuel, God who is with us, his name will be called Jesus. She said, how will this happen since I don't know a man? Legitimate question. She didn't doubt it. She says, how will it happen? He said, the Holy Ghost will come upon you and you'll conceive in your womb the Son of God. She said, be it unto me according unto thy word. Regardless of what I see, regardless of what I hear, regardless of any sense evidence, I believe it will be to me as God said, apart from my senses. She walked by faith, not by sight. To that degree, she had more of God in her life. Can you see that? Every single one of us will face these same things in life. There will come a time that we've got to start saying, now I'm going to start believing the way God wants me to believe. I'm going to give up my faith for supernatural faith. And I'm going to have more of God in my life. Now, I don't know about you, but when my brother first got saved, if, if any of your family members first got saved before you, how did you view them? I used to think, my brother has gone off the deep end. He has become, an, excuse the expression, but that's where I was at. I said, my brother's become a Jesus freak. Now, here's the acid test. He's going to church three times a week. And then, if that wasn't bad enough, he's giving a tenth of his income to the church. I was ready to get the straitjacket. I'm telling you the truth. I thought nobody thinks like that unless they're brainwashed. I was never taught to do anything like that. Do you know what I mean? See? Well, all of a sudden, he begins to share with me some things from the Word of God. And for whatever reason, he wasn't the one that was going to lead me to the Lord. My father was influential and he actually gave me some materials and all that. And then a friend of mine also enabled me to go further in the things of God. But, but as I look back upon that, I began to see that he began to walk in a different realm than I was walking in. The reason why he gave, because he believed that if he sowed seed into the kingdom of God, that God would bless him. And that's called supernatural faith. And I didn't know that. Because natural faith says, how can you get more by giving away more? Figure that out. Now, wait a minute. You want to know how? Very simple. You have a tomato? There's seed inside it. You can eat it or you can plant it. You have one tomato. You eat it, you're full for the moment. You plant it, you have tomatoes coming out of your ears. Isn't that true? So you take part of the seed of what God has given you, plant it into good soil, and you're going to have an increase on it. But who begins to think like that? 
You see, unless you're saved, you won't have that kind of understanding. But it's called sowing and reaping. It's called seed time and harvest. And I didn't understand those principles. But God is speaking to our hearts today and He's saying this very truth. Give up your faith for my faith and you'll have more of me in your life. And so, beloved, we don't have to, but I guarantee you if you'll do it, I'm telling you, you're going to be a whole lot better off. And if I were to give you one thing that we should all develop our faith in as, as far as the most important thing you can ever develop your faith in, what would you think that would be? The most important thing to develop your faith in as a child of God that we should all be striving for, that we should make our greatest quest, is to develop your faith in the love of God. Why? Because now abideth these, faith, hope, and love, charity, agape, agape love, about it, these three, and the greatest of these is what? What's the greatest force in all hum- mankind? What's the greatest force in all the universe? God is love. And you know what? That's going to be one of your biggest challenges in life. Because our biggest temptation in this life is to remain self-centered and selfish. And to give up our, our own selfishness for the love of God. And beloved, we want to talk more about that. But for right now, it's another exchange that we all should make in our lives. We give up our faith in ourselves even, and even in our own feelings, emotions, and what we call emotional love, and strive and make your quest to be this. To walk in the greatest force this universe has ever experienced. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Love is the greatest force. Your faith will work by that love. It's called the God kind of love and the God kind of faith. And if we'll do it, beloved, you'll have more of God in your life. I'll tell you, you'll have so much of God in your life if you will give place to love because God is love. And like I said, we want to talk about that more as time goes on. Uh, Let's close with this last verse, Numbers 23. I've actually got ten of them and Obviously, we're not going to get them all in today. So, Numbers 23 and 19, if you would, please. Numbers 23 and 19. Numbers 23 and 19. We have got to give up our questions for His answers. We have got to give up or exchange our questions for His answers. You know, sometimes many don't like the answers that God has to give and offer. But we've got to be willing, if we want more of God in our lives, to give up our questions for His answers. In Numbers 23, 19, we read, God is not a man. Say that with me. God is not a man. Say it again. God is not a man. I think that kind of takes him to a different category, doesn't it? He's not a man, now notice the next part, that he should lie. God has never told a lie. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not Make it good. In other words, this word contains answers to human questions. And God, 
who is not a man who cannot lie, authored the book. Man has a multitude of questions to ask when it comes to his existence. Why am I here? Where am I going? How will I get there? What is my purpose? And I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And here he is. We have the answer book right here, but many do not recognize the fact that this is authored by God Almighty Himself. I have talked to religious leaders, beloved, who have said to me personally, so it's not an exaggeration, you cannot take this literally. You can expect it to be true every word. I said, thank you for your time. I know where you're coming from. I will pray for you. This is the unadulterated, infallible Word of the living God. Everything in it from Genesis to Revelation is true because it was inspired by God Almighty Himself. Now, things that are said by individuals, it's true that they said them, but it's not true what they said. For example, God did that to you, said Job's accusers. It's true that they said that, but it's not true that God did it to them. Because another verse says the devil did it. Isn't that true? But what I'm saying is, this is God's answer book to all humanity and all mankind. We have got to be willing to give up our questions or exchange our questions for God's true answers, knowing that God will never lie. And then build our lives on the answers. And don't allow yourself to just be in a state of chaos and confusion like so many are in the world today. Why am I here? The Bible has an answer. There is a reason for your being upon this earth, which we can't explore right now, but I'm saying the answer is there. Where am I going? One of two places. Very simple. Heaven or hell. How will I get there? You get to heaven through Jesus. You get to hell by just doing nothing. By rejecting Jesus. Very simple. What am I supposed to do with my life here? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemy. And go on and on and on and ask all kinds of questions. The Bible has the answer to everyone. Are you willing to accept those answers and live by them? Am I willing to accept those answers and live by them? To what degree I am, to that degree I have more of God in my life. Can you see that? Absolutely. You know, without a doubt. And so, if we'll do it, beloved, and, and follow these things and make these exchanges, then God will become more real and evident in our lives, and we will diminish and decrease in our lives. Very quickly, you can write these down if, if you're not going to be able to be with us um, this evening, because I'm going to explore the rest of them, I believe, this evening, unless the Lord changes my mind. Number six is James 1.22. We have to exchange our hearing for doing. Uh, number seven in Hebrews 4.16. We have to exchange our being timid for God's boldness. For being bold. And number eight is found in Hosea 4.6 and John 8.31. We have to exchange our ignorance for God's knowledge or the knowledge of the truth. Are we willing to do that?
we'll explore these a little bit. Uh, number nine in Acts 1.8, we have to exchange natural ability for supernatural ability. And we have to be willing to do so. And then finally, number 10 in Ephesians 4 and 32, we have to exchange our way of forgiving for God's. Our forgive, way of forgiving for God's. And we do want to talk about some of these things. If we want to experience more of God in our lives, if we want to decrease and have Him increase in us, then these are some of the things we're going to have to wait upon Him for to exchange. And praise God, I am convinced, beloved, if your desire is to be more like Him and have Him more evident in your life, you follow these principles and guidelines and you will not be disappointed. Your heart will rejoice. And you'll be glad. Let's all stand together before the Lord this morning. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.